0: It was the best of times, it was the worst of times. That's the famous opening of A Tale of Two Cities by Charles Dickens, a novel describing an age of radical opposites. It was the age of wisdom, the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief, the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light the season of darkness, the spring of hope, the winter of despair. Now as bold believers called to accomplish the Lord's exports, let's strive not to be on the side of despair, but on the side of light and faith. This is our window of opportunity to reap a harvest in a winter of despair. The Jerusalem Channel is made with the support of you, our viewers. Thank you for watching. Everyone is going through an unprecedented time when medical science and politicians are trying to manage the pandemic crisis. It's a time when many are seeking the Word of God to give hope and meaning to their lives, and there's never been a better opportunity for our ministry. So we want to say thank you to the viewers of Jerusalem Channel who have continued to make our programs possible. With your prayers and support, We can finance the cost to send video streaming around the world. Each week our audience grows, and we're even exploring ways to subtitle shows into other languages. So it's with your help that we can bring a good word, the gospel truth, through Jerusalem Channel. And especially at this time, please continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Shalom, I'm Christine Dark. Miraculously, the Jewish people are back in the land of Israel, as the prophet foretold in Ezekiel chapters 36 to 39. How close now are we to the restoration of all things? Well, in this program, we'll mention at least four of the latest end time prophecy threads happening right now. First of all, let's look at God's timepiece, the nation of Israel. Lately, we've seen the resurgence of too much anti-Semitism rearing its ugly head, whether it's the accusations coming out of the International Criminal Court in The Hague once again attacking the Jewish state, or various ancient blood libels against the Jewish people, blood libels that are tragically being repackaged in our generation. Let's understand that after nearly two millennia, Jerusalem is back in Jewish hands just as God said it would happen prior to the second coming of Jesus. Israel is real and exists against all odds, while mortal enemies in Iran and Syria still threaten Israel's existence daily. The Jewish people have survived anti-Semitism and persecution, countless pogroms, two world wars, the Holocaust, as well as the birth struggles in 1948 at Israel's rebirth as a modern nation. Now, according to the Bible, we know Jesus will return in the same way that he left physically, with great glory. Luke wrote in Acts 1.11, This same Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in just the same way as you've watched him go into the heaven." The Lord of glory is on his way back and could appear at any moment. But in the meantime, Bible prophecy in Israel continues to be fulfilled exponentially. In the past five years, there's been a 17% growth in the number of Jews living in Judea and Samaria, commonly known as the West Bank, but Judea and Samaria are in actuality the real biblical heartland. Nearly half a million Jews currently call Judea and Samaria their home. And according to projections, more than one million Jewish Israelis are expected to reside in the West Bank of Judea and Samaria in the future. Presently, nearly seven million Jews now reside in the state of Israel. And all of this has been developing since Israel's victory in the 1967 Six-Day War. Statistics show that the Jewish presence in the biblical heartland has become firmly rooted. Israelis have been reestablishing more Jews in Judea, Samaria, and also the Golan Heights in the north, proving that it will be impossible to cram the Jewish nation into a Tel Aviv ghetto and its surrounding suburbs. The facts on the ground are irreversible. Those who call for erasing the Jewish presence in the biblical heartland are simply disconnected from the reality on the ground. Now, the second sign in the winter of despair is vaccine passports. In my lifetime, I've never seen such worldwide upheaval caused by fears of a virus. Quarantines, school closings, stock market upheavals. But this is only the beginnings of the shakings that are prophesied in the Bible. It's alarming to see how quickly people have become compliant to a global agenda, conformity to a new world order. In Israel right now, people require what's known as a green passport, proving that they've been vaccinated. Otherwise, they can't go into public places. Israel's green pass is only for those who can prove their immunity status granting access to shopping centers, coffee houses, gyms, museums, movie theaters, and so forth. People who submit to the injections are awarded freedom of movement, proving that they're part of the responsible international community of caring people, and thus they deserve at least controlled movement. But all those who refuse the vaccine aren't suspect and seemingly not deserving of the same freedoms. So lately, I've been thinking about tense scenes in World War II movies. Jews trying to escape Nazis. They're on a train or somewhere at a border crossing, and then they hear the dreaded words, your papers, please. And of course, whether or not they escape to freedom depends upon having those dreaded papers. The COVID green passport promises freedom, or at least some version of freedom. The Prime Minister of Greece, whose economy depends on tourism, has proposed a system of vaccine passports, a global ID card scheme, which identifies the vaccinated so that things can return to normal for them. Denmark will start issuing vaccine passports this month, followed by Sweden. Joe Biden has been asked for an evaluation of a vaccine ID scheme for Americans. Spain, Italy, Cyprus, and Malta, all desperate to revive their tourism, are in favor of vaccine passports. But the application of a vaccine passport will inevitably extend far beyond holidays. There's no telling where all of this will lead in the end. Britain's transport secretary has been engaged in talks with the USA, Singapore, and the United Nations about an international vaccine certification system. Everyone's vaccination status in the UK is already being logged centrally using their national health number. This information could be easily linked with an app to mobile phones. The next step could be a no jab, no job policy, denying employment to the unvaccinated. Already in London, one company has declared it will not be employing people in the future unless they've been vaccinated. Legally, it's discriminatory. For example, for the Australian airline Qantas to say it won't allow unvaccinated people to fly on their aircraft, but its chief executive has already reportedly said this will be their policy. And some cruise operators are also stipulating that guests must be ready to provide a vaccination document as proof in order to come aboard. As vaccines become mandatory, we can only predict that this is preparation for the Antichrist rule when nobody can buy or sell without some sort of mark as predicted in Revelation 13, a chapter which states that all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave will be forced to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads well will the mark be a vaccine mark the future will tell in an increasing cashless society let me remind you that revelation chapter 18 gives us the reason why all nations will be deceived revelation eighteen twenty three says for you merchants were the great men of the earth For by your sorceries were all nations deceived. Now this is fascinating. The Greek word for sorceries is pharmakia. According to the Greek dictionary, pharmakia is defined as the use of administering drugs, poison, sorcery, magical arts often found in connection with idolatry. And if you put the original Greek word pharmakia in place of the English word sorceries, the verse would read, for by your pharmacia, all nations were deceived." And of course, pharmacia is the source of our English word pharmacy, all these pharmaceutical drugs and schemes. Due to the push for vaccines in the relatively short span of the last 10 months, societies around the world have been transformed beyond recognition. Rights have been suspended and dissent is being censored. An editor at a website emphasizing the soon coming rapture wrote that government officials are issuing edicts restricting the most basic aspects of our lives, where we can go, which countries we can visit, how many friends we are allowed to meet with, whether and when we can spend time with our families, what we're even allowed to say to each other, where we have to stand, how we're allowed to eat and drink in between wearing masks. The authorities have assumed control of the most intimate aspects of our daily lives. It's like we're being managed as inmates in a prison, told when to eat, sleep, exercise, granted privileges for good behavior, punished for the slightest infractions of our ever-changing set of arbitrary rules, forced to wear demeaning uniforms, in this case, of course, on our faces, masks and otherwise relentlessly being bullied, abused, and humiliated to keep us compliant. Well, hasn't that always been the method of authoritarian rule? Number three on my list this week, we know we're living in the last days because human DNA is being tampered with in an ungodly manner. During World War II, the eugenics program of the Third Reich aimed to create a master race, But the powers of darkness haven't stopped their diabolical plans. According to a report by geopolitical analyst Brandon Weichert, who was interviewed recently by the Gavestone Institute, China's communist regime doesn't have the ethics or decency, it's not bound by law, and therefore it doesn't have a sense of restraint. However, with its rapid weaponization of biotechnology, China does have the technologies to start a whole new species of genetically enhanced, goose-stepping humans. Weichert wrote that biotechnology development in China is heading in a truly macabre direction. In a communist society with unrestrained ambition, researchers are pursuing what he called weird science. What happens when you mix pig, human, and monkey DNA? Well, Chinese, experimentations they know. Yes, they have done that as well as growing human-like organs in animals. Moreover, according to the Gatestone Institute, Beijing may already be engineering the super soldiers. It's not clear how far Chinese military researchers have gone in their experiments, but the People's Liberation Army has reportedly embraced gene editing of humans. All these moves are meant to obtain what's being called biological dominance. The Gatestone Institute article emphasized that there are no ethical boundaries to Beijing's pursuit of power. Weikert told Gatestone, with the advent of modern genetic and biotechnology research, China's central planners now have the human genome itself to perfect according to their own political agenda. Chinese scientists are already on the road to make future generations smarter and more innovative than countries refusing to embrace their controversial methods. So what we're witnessing in China is the convergence of advanced technology with cutting edge biosciences, capable of fundamentally altering all life on this planet according to the capricious whims of a communist regime. The article stated that at least four groups in China are pursuing gene editing in human embryos. Unfortunately, China's advances are persuading other nations that they must keep pace with them. The French government has reportedly just given approval for augmented soldiers. French Minister for the Armed Forces, Florence Parly declared, we have to be clear, not everyone has the same scruples as us, and we have to prepare ourselves for such a future. What's most disturbing about these endeavors is that China has gleaned access to advanced genetic and biotech research thanks to their relationship with the United States and other advanced Western nations. American research labs, biotech investors, and scientists have all striven to do research and business in China's budding biotech arena explicitly because the ethical standards for research on these sensitive issues are so low, according to the article. This dangerous ethical issue will prove to be a long-term strategic threat to the United States that few in Washington, Wall Street, or Silicon Valley understand. End-time prophecy trend number four that i want to mention this week is the rise of the occult that's filling the vacuum of the churches due to churches being closed down and inaccessible to parishioners. And with the pandemic limiting funerals, Many persons are now dangerously turning to mediums to make sense of their grief and isolation. According to a Daily Mail article, many people in the UK are turning to online psychics to help them. So they think, to say goodbye to their loved ones. There are no officially recorded figures, but mediums report an increased demand from people wanting to contact loved ones lost to the coronavirus. Of course, this is deception. Psychic mediums are not able to contact the dead, but they can impersonate and mimic the dead in order to deceive people. In the Word of God, there are many warnings about this dangerous dead in practice. For example, in the Torah, in Leviticus 19.31, God commands, Do not defile yourselves by turning to mediums or to those who consult the spirits of the dead. I am the Lord your God. Also in Isaiah 8:19 there is this warning when someone tells you to consult mediums and spiritualists who whisper and mutter should not a people inquire of their God why consult the dead on behalf of the living. According to the Daily Mail article the mistaken idea that the living can somehow cross over the void to commune with the dead became a popular deception a century ago when Britain was dealing with the huge losses on the battlefields of World War I. Now, once again, a traumatized nation is trying to make sense of a disease that didn't even exist 18 months ago. And many who don't know any better because they are biblically illiterate are seeking to find solace in the dangerous realm of the occult. Unfortunately, the way people had died in isolation is only adding to the trauma of the bereaved. Stringent regulations introduced at the start of the pandemic meant that many died with no family or friends beside them due to concern about spreading the virus. What's been happening is a different level of loss than when you're able to sit with someone, when you're there by their side to comfort them and kiss them goodbye. Counselors say it can lead to a sense of unreality if you're not able to be present with a loved one when they die. Grief can be suspended because a relative or friend hasn't been able to go through the process of watching a loved one pass away. Also, mourning rituals have been cut back to a minimum, and that has been interrupting the grieving process. Friends and family who normally would have been able to come and visit you, bring you food and hold your hand, are not able to do so. But all of this has been curtailed due to lockdowns and restrictions. Well, in the New Testament, Hebrews 12, verses 26 to 27 declares, The Lord has promised, once more I will shake not only the earth, but also the heavens. The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what can't be shaken will remain. Jesus described the coming great tribulation outlined in the book of Revelation like this. He said there will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars, and on the earth. Nations will be in anguish and in perplexity at the roaring and the tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what's coming on the world next. For even the heavenly bodies will be shaken." So the upheavals, shakings, and inconveniences that we've been experiencing are nothing compared to the language of the book of Revelation. Listen to Revelation chapter 6 and verses 15 to 17. And the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, And hide us from the face of him that sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. Of course, that's referring to Jesus. For the great day of his wrath is come, and who will be able to stand? If we can't even begin to imagine what life will be like during the great tribulation in the future. But the world is clearly headed that way. Generally speaking, preachers just don't want to face it or talk about it. We don't need pablum in a winter of despair. It's time for strong meat. We have tribulation now because Jesus said in John sixteen thirty three, in this world, we're always going to have tribulation, but there's coming what the Bible calls an unprecedented time of great tribulation that will be unique. And which is most particularly the last half of the tribulation period when God will allow evil to be unrestrained at an all-time high because the Holy Spirit who restrains evil will step aside temporarily to allow evil to run its full course and totally expose itself. Demons that have been bound in hell will be released at that time to run rampant over the world in one last satanic revolt against God and his Messiah. But, The good news is the gospel will still be preached to the ends of the earth by 144,000 evangelists, 12,000 out of each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And the big guns will be two fiery preachers, God's two witnesses clothed in sackcloth who will preach in the Great Tribulation. And they're introduced in Revelation chapter 11. They'll be seen via satellite and internet TV all over the world and people will be saved from every tongue and tribe and nation. It will be the greatest revival, but with God's judgments also happening simultaneously, making it clear that the end is near. We have to learn how to bring in a harvest in the midst of the storms. In the presence of God, we can live in the eye of the hurricane, calmly bringing in a harvest of hungry souls, helping people who are so lost and confused to call upon the Savior while they're surrounded by anxiety, uncertainty, and even panic. Stock markets may crash. The cost of gasoline may soar. Politics might become more and more corrupt and treacherous. But it's our job to, remember this, bring in the sheaves to save the lost. It's never been our job to save cities and to save governments, but it's our gospel task to save souls one soul at a time. So let's get our priorities straight. Our destiny is to get the job of soul winning done. We need to keep our focus on the Lord of the harvest, even in the midst of a harvest storm, even in the midst of a winter of despair, and to save our crop of souls and our generation from perishing. Jesus said we are the laborers in his harvest. Whether the harvest is ready to reap in peacetime or or during storm time. Our task is clear nevertheless. Along with great shakings in the nations, the churches are also being shaken, and it's good. God is shaking out churchianity and taking us back to house churches as in the book of Acts. The divide between clergy and laity is being erased. The Holy Spirit is reforming the church at this time. Much of the existing Systems of hierarchies are being bypassed as true New Testament faith returns. It's my aim always to infuse hope and boldness in the face of fear and despair. Boldness is required to obey the gospel call and to take decided stands in these last days. Let's take courage from the boldness of Moses, Caleb, Joshua, David, Elijah, Deborah, Yael, and Esther. Remember the history of the martyrs and confessors of the church, Ridley and Latimer, who died at the stake. The boldness of the righteous is manifested at the approach of death as well as doing exploits in life. There's something within human nature which instinctively shrinks back at the thought of death, but when the righteous draw near to death or are threatened with death, fear leaves. So let's learn to cultivate boldness and endurance, which our faith demands. In all ages, courage has been regarded as a mark of nobility and honor, whereas cowardice has been considered shameful and ignoble. If because of our relationship with the Lord, we don't fear death, we don't fear people, and we don't fear circumstances, how rare is that? But God is giving his remnant the spirit of faith. Our present days are surely a time when we need more people to be fearless, more believers to exhibit strong courage, For those with boldness, this will be a time of great opportunity and advancement in God. So let's be careful not to be amongst those who shrink back or hide away. Let's embrace the shaking and get to work. Others may cower in fear, but we can be those who go forth in boldness at such a time, following the leading of the Lord. Bold believers are not dismayed in the presence of danger because a true believer's conscience is at rest. Knowing that God is on the side of the righteous and whatever happens, we're safe and secure in the everlasting arms of God, as Psalm 91 promises. So this is the time to be excited, not to fear or become anxious. Whoever fears the Lord isn't afraid of man. The lion is not afraid because he knows he's stronger than other animals. And that's why the fearlessness of a righteous man is rightly compared to a lion or a righteous woman is compared to a lioness. That's why David, the shepherd boy, didn't quail before the giant. He knew he and God were a majority. You see, without God, there would be no hope. Without God, we would all be headed to hell. Without God, life on earth would be futile and meaningless. So let's choose this day to have hope and to belong to the Lord. Let's choose to have faith, choose a meaningful life. Most of all, without apology today, I want to say, if you've never invited the Lord into your heart, ask the Savior to come into your heart right now and give you peace and security in this winter of despair. I urge you to do this while there's yet time. We're only promised today, not tomorrow. Well, please take time to check out our website, exploits.tv, which brings you news on current and in-time events regarding both the church and the nation of Israel. Our show title, Exploits, is based upon Daniel 11.32, which declares the people who know their God will be strong, not weak, and we're going to accomplish exploits, meaning we'll do the works of the Lord in the remaining time before his imminent return. Feel free to share your thoughts with me on social media and also download our free Jerusalem Channel mobile app for your phones or tablets so that you can watch our video library on the go. Today, I want to leave you with Proverbs 28.1. The wicked flee when no one pursues them, but the righteous are what? The righteous are as bold as a lion. Amen. Until next time, I'll always be contending for the faith and praying earnestly for the peace of Jerusalem. In the evil day, pray without ceasing. Maranatha, the Lord is at hand. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord be with you. I'm Christine Dark. Shalom.